I am really excited this morning because we are kicking off this new series, and uh, it's called My Story, Living the Life That You Want to Tell. I think that's kind of self-explanatory. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a mission trip with me, but if you've been on a mission trip with me, you know I love to tell stories, and they're all true. Um, They're all true stories. And uh, it's fun to sit around with your friends and your family and kind of share the adventures of your life. All the things that you've done. And it's funny because I, I think about some of the things that have happened to me over the last five or six years. And I think to myself sometimes as I get older uh, and my grandkids get older and we're sitting around the table and, you know, you know I just have these kind of thoughts in my head. They're going to say, hey, Grandpa, tell us. Or Pops, they call me Pops. But Pops, tell us that story about the time or tell us another story. And being able to tell stories that honor God, that reflect the, the love of Jesus Christ that I have in my heart. It's just great to to be able to sit with friends and family and tell and share about the adventures of our lives. Now, we all have stories that we love to tell, right? I mean, I remember, you remember your grandparents or your parents and, you know, how your parents will say when I was your age and, you know, and, and st- students love that when you start out a story like that. When I was your age, they really do. Um, when I was your age, but we love to sit around, and tell stories about our lives, but On the flip side, there are also stories I'm sure that every single one of us would rather forget. Maybe entire chapters, as that video shared, maybe entire chapters of our lives that um, that we'd love to kind of put away and and not share with anybody wish that we had never done it maybe there's some regret in our lives and we wish we had never engaged in that behavior we wish we'd never gone down that road we wish we'd never started whatever we started Each of us has those stories in our lives, both the good and the bad. And through this series, what I'd love to do is make sure that we can use all of those stories, even the difficult stories, even the ones that you regret. God can use those to impact this world for Jesus Christ if you allow him to do that. It's also so interesting to me to realize some of the decisions that I've made in the past And to think about what a profound impact they have had on my life going forward. Some of the most insignificant, I thought, small and insignificant decisions that I've made in the past have had such a profound impact on my life. For example, when I was about 14 or 15 years old, um, I wanted to get a job after school. And so Lawn Doctor was hiring. And Lawn Doctor is a lawn care company. And and in New York, the, the hills, there's a lot of hills in people's lawns. And so I was pushing this heavy equipment up these different hills and I, I felt something in my back kind of give and it really hurt and and so I, I went on the next day and it got worse and the next day it got worse and so being a 14 or 15 year old I did what any 14 or 15 year old would do I got my weightlifting belt out which is a real big belt they have a big back to them and I tightened it as much as I possibly could and it kind of held things there for you know in place it didn't hurt as much but it did hurt and I just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing so first making the, the simple decision to get a job when I was that age and then deciding, well, it's not a big deal and pushing forward. I never thought either one of those decisions would have any impact in my life whatsoever. I'm 15 years old. I'm indestructible, you know, um, but it really has. As I look back on my life, I was thinking about it this week and it's had a real profound impact on my life. And I'm not really saying in this, at this point in the sermon for better or for worse, but I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I was my end of my junior year. My my uncle is a brigadier general, a retired brigadier general, but he was still active when I was in college. 
And, uh, and he said to me, you know what, you might want to think about going into the military because I wanted to serve. I, w- I was open to serving. I wanted maybe for four years just to do some, just have service in the military. And he said, you go in when you're in college as a second lieutenant or something like that. If I'm wrong, you know, don't hold me to it. But it's some, you're, you're an officer coming out of college. And he said, you'll get good pay, um, you know, and you'll they'll be there for four years. A lot you can learn. So I said, that's, that sounds like a good idea. And then I can go into youth ministry and be a youth pastor. And if I go into, um, you know, the reserves, I can only go on the weekends. And so we were working this out. And, and one of the things he said was, here's the physical side of it. You have to do this. You have to be able to do that. And I thought, no problem. And he said, you have to run five miles. Well, I wasn't a big runner when I was growing up. I loved playing football and all kinds of sports, but I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big runner, but I thought, well, I can run, I can run five miles. And so I had that, what happened to my back is I herniated my disc in my lower back. And so at that point, it had really put a lot of pressure and a lot of pain, you know, on me. And so I thought, I'm not really sure I can run five miles, but I got up the next morning and just ran five miles. I haven't practiced or anything. If I can run five miles without any practice, I can run five miles when I'm in the military. So I got up and started running. Uh, Made it five miles. Actually pretty good. Wasn't in a lot of pain. But then the next day I got up and my foot hitting the ground shot so much pain up my back and down my leg. It was unbelievable. It staggered. My knees literally buckled under the pain. And so obviously... Couldn't run five miles, not able to go into the military. It changed that, you know, your course of your life. You're going to go into the military. Well, no, I'm not going to do that for four years. And so it changed the course of my life. My back injury has changed the course of my life in so many different ways I'm not going to get into now. But a seemingly simple decision to get a job when I was 15 years old changed the course of my life. That's what happens when you make specific decisions. I remember a friend who was 14 years old, and I think I've told you this story before, but she decided she was going to go drinking and then go driving with her older brother and his friends. Their, their story ended that night. All their stories ended that night when they crashed the pole. They wrapped their car around a pole. Car caught on fire. Doors were jammed. They couldn't get out and the car exploded and they all died. You know, a simple decision. You know, maybe, well, they shouldn't have gone drinking and, and driving. But a lot of people younger, they make those kinds of decisions and nothing, nothing happens. They don't get caught or, but sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes when you get away with something, it may be even worse in some cases because you think you can get away with it and get away with it and get away with it. And those decisions keep building up. I want you to think about the way the decisions that we make, that the decisions that maybe you've made yesterday affect the story that you're going to tell today and the story people are going to tell about you tomorrow. Think about that. Think of how profound that is. I want that to let it, just let that sink in. The, the decisions, the simple, sometimes we think insignificant decisions that we make today have a profound impact on the stories that we're going to tell tomorrow or the stories that other people will tell about us tomorrow. I think about that widow uh, that we talked about last week. Here's a widow in Nigeria, and she decides that, that she's going to, you know, she's going to work hard. She has seven children. She's widowed. She's in Nigeria. And in Nigeria, when you're a widow, I didn't really understand. When the Bible talks about widows and orphans, I did not truly understand what it was talking about until I went to a developing country and saw how they treated widows. If you're a widow in some countries, you have kids, you have no right to your own children. Sometimes the husband who has died, the parents can come and take your children away from you. 
you. They can take your house away from you, your things away from you, and leave you destitute. So here's this widow with seven children who decides, makes a decision to start a small landscaping business. Growing flowers and those kinds of things. Because she's such a great entrepreneur, she ends up making enough money to hire three other widows and also send two or five kids, because the other ones were younger, to university. So now they're going to school because their mother is working so hard. She made a decision to work hard. She made a decision to step out and work hard. Daniel then comes to the United States because he's on staff with Back to Back Ministries and Back to Back has their, their, their leadership conference uh, last week and the week before. He decides to come to the U.S. And so he's here. He tells me that story at dinner. I come next week. I tell him, hey, come next week and share that story in church. He shares that story. And the swap wall, we fill the swap wall with, with swap cards. Swap means sacrificing with a purpose. It means giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. So, for example, there are swap cards with trees that, are, that cost $40. And we're going to, what we're going to do, because of the decision she made, we're now going to drill a borehole for her, a deep water well, that she can use. We're giving her five acres of land, that land that we own. She's going, we're going to drill her a borehole. We're going to move her from a tiny little space, okay, to five acres and give her the chance of a lifetime. She'll then hire probably five times as many people that will change their lives, right? Just because she made a decision and then you guys made a decision last week, number one, to get a borehole dug for her. And on top of that, to buy $1,500 with the trees. There's still some trees left. Let's wipe them all out so she has as many trees as she needs. But look at the change. Look at the difference it made in people's lives because of the decision someone has made. A positive decision. And look at the ripple effect of that positive decision. We cannot underestimate how the decisions that we make today will tell the story of our tomorrow. Our decisions really matter. Our choices really matter. I don't care how old you are today. Especially if you're younger. Understand this, okay? The decisions that you make today really matter. I just thought of something in my head. Say you're in school and you start picking on some other kid. You think it's really funny to pick on that kid, pick on that kid. And you pay, basically make his life miserable. Because, you know, what's the big deal? How significant it is you pick on someone? No big deal. But it really bothers the other kid. And he grows up. And now you're both all grown up and you lose your job. And guess what? He runs a really important company. You need a job. But he's not mature enough to have forgotten, okay, or to let or to forgive. So you don't get a job because you picked on someone when you were in sixth grade. You think that you think that I'm just making this stuff up. This kind of stuff happens. The simple, what we consider insignificant decisions of today will affect our story tomorrow. It is absolutely profound. We've seen it. You have all seen this happen in your life. Something you didn't think would make any difference. Someone in your family made a decision that would, they thought would make no difference and has impacted their life forever. It's amazing the, the, the way our decisions determine the way we write our story or the way we tell our story. Absolutely, positively amazing. So the big question I want to throw out to you this morning, okay, if you have a pen, you can maybe write this down. The big question I want to ask this morning is, how do we live a life? How do we live a life worth telling? Okay, how do we live a life worth telling? How do we live a life that produces the story that we would like to share with those around us? How do you do that? How, how is that done? Well, let me, I believe that, that it's done as we focus our eyes on Jesus Christ. 
as we focus our eyes on God? The answer is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, which is going to be the kind of the foundational verse for this entire series. Here's what it says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you live a story worth telling, my friends? How do you do that? How do you live a story? How do you live the story that God wants you to tell in your life? Well, it starts right there. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We stay focused on him and he will help write the story that God wants us to tell. God the Father wants us to tell. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. So let me share with you, kind of go through this, what we're going to talk about for the next six weeks. Because I want every single person here to participate for the next six weeks, okay? Everyone to participate. And if you didn't invite someone this morning, I want you to go after the service is over, grab a CD, take that CD with you, give it to your friend, give it to your neighbor, so they've heard the first sermon, and then invite them next week to the next this part of the series. You know, sometimes we think, oh, that's going to make someone uncomfortable, or do you think they really want to go? I thank God very, very often that someone had the courage when I was 17 years old to come to me. A friend came to me and said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And I was not the church guy. Okay, I've been in church like two or three times in my life. I was not the person who went to church. I didn't look like I wanted to go to church. I didn't speak like I wanted to go to church. I didn't act like I was wanted to go to church. But she had the courage to ask me to come. And I want to encourage you to ask someone to come and be a part of this. Because this series, honestly, is very simple. And it will walk you through. Like this morning, it's right here written on the floor. I decided to start. That's the sermon series title. Okay, That's this, this morning's title. I decided to start. Okay, we're going to come back tonight. We're going to write all over the floor and do some other things. But I decided to start. And people need this. They need a starting point. They need some specifics. They don't get it in the media. They don't get it from other friends. They're only going to get it if you invite them and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. So, so for the next six weeks, we're going to, we're going to look at some key decisions. And I, and I want you all, please, if you can, to be involved every single week. Today, we're going to decide to start. Okay, so we're going to decide to start. We're going to start a discipline, start a discipline that will help us tell the story that God wants us to tell. So this morning we decide to start. I, you say, I decided to start, right? Say that with me. I decided to start now. Right. I decided to start. So that's this morning. Next week, it's going to be I decided to stop. I decided to stop. All of us have behaviors and fears and mindsets and attitudes that hinder us from becoming the person that God has created us to be, that hinder us from telling the story that God wants us to tell. So, so what we're going to do next week is we're going to, we're going to stop one thing, one thing, just one thing that's interrupting that story. Next week, we'll stop, we'll stop one thing that's interrupting the story that God wants to tell. Because I'd like to keep, again, keep this simple. Today, we're gonna, we want to, we want to start one discipline. Next week, we're gonna stop one thing that is keeping us or is hindering us from becoming or from living out the life that God wants us to live. And then in week three, we're going to decide to stay. We're going to decide to stay. We're going to decide to stay when it would be easier for us to go. Think, just think about that for a second. 
There are so many times that we choose to quit something, something important, when we should really stick with it. But we decide to, to stop doing or we decide to quit. Instead, instead of, instead of going, okay, we're going next week, three weeks from now or two weeks from now. In week three, we're going to learn how to stay, okay, instead of going. Week four, we're going to decide to go instead of stay when it would be easier to stay. To go when it would be easier to stay. Because here's the deal. You, if you decide to walk the road that God wants you to walk, if you decide to take this journey, okay, if you decide that this is the life that you truly want to live, there are going, there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to have to make a significant decision to step out in faith. It's going to be a difficult decision. You're going to need to go. You're going to need to step out in faith. It would be easier for you to stay in that situation, but to honor God, you're going to choose to go. You're going to choose to leave your comfort zone. You're going to choose to leave what's known and step out into the unknown. If you're going to tell the story that God wants you to tell at some point, you're going to have to start. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to stay. And you're going to have to go. In week five, we're going to talk about the, the idea of focusing. I, I need to decide to focus, okay, on my strengths. So many times we get, we get all over the place in this world and, you know, we don't focus on our strengths. God has given us specific gifts, talents, and abilities. We need to focus on those gifts, talents, and abilities if we want to tell the story that God is writing in our hearts and in our lives. And then last, we're going to decide to tell. We're going to, we're going to teach you how to tell your story. You may be saying, you know, my story up to this point has been not too good. Okay. I don't have the kind of story that mm, you want to tell in a Sunday school class. You know what? We're going to help you decide. We're going to, you're going to decide to tell. We're going to teach you how to tell that story in such a way that you lead other people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. You can use all the downtimes in your life, all the struggles, all the mistakes, all the things that you may have been ashamed of in the past. God can use those in your life because they are the past. Okay. You say, here's the way I was before here's what the holy spirit did in my life i decided to start and i decided to stop and i decided to stay and i decided to go and i decided to focus and now i'm going to tell you how that has impacted my life and for the next six weeks that's what we're going to be talking about so i want to make sure that every single person here is committing in their hearts even now that we don't miss a sunday morning and that we invite people to participate so today we're going to decide to start a discipline that will have a profound impact on our lives. It may be simple. It doesn't have to be something so incredibly wild. Oh man, I can't. It could be something very simple. But we're going to decide to start a discipline that can be life transforming. I gave you, I gave you some, you know, some examples in, in when we first started out. But the decisions that you make to start today could be life transforming. Now, I don't want you to start thinking because of, you know, my personality and kind of know me if you've been here for a very short period of time that you think, oh, we're going to start a new ministry. I want to start a new ministry. No, that's week four. Okay. This morning, I want you just to decide to start a new discipline, okay? Not a new ministry, not a new, you know, let's, let's keep it down, you know? Get excited about starting a new discipline, okay? You excited about starting a new discipline? Yeah, all right, good. So we're going to start a new discipline. So here's the deal. There are some habits. There are certain disciplines 
that when applied cascade forward into positive momentum into other positive habits that we can have in our lives other positive disciplines you start with one discipline and if you if you if you start working on that one usually another one will layer on top of that another one will layer on top of that and it, and it's it gain you gain this momentum the opposite is also true if you don't have these specific um, habits in your life or these decisions that you're making in your life, these disciplines in your life, the opposite happens. How many of you know people in your life where you look at the, every time it's on Facebook or something, something terrible is going on in their lives. It just seems to cascade in a different direction because they haven't made the choice to start to stop, if you will, or to start a new discipline, to start something, which is I'm going to choose this morning, I'm going to choose in my life that I'm going to start doing this. They haven't done that. And so it cascades downward. The opposite happens in their life. A good example of this in a positive way is say, I decide, I'm going to decide that I'm going to start exercising. Okay? I haven't exercised in a long time. Doctors have been telling me you need to exercise more. So you decide to discipline yourself to exercise. And then you start feeling a little better. And that discipline turns to an, and another discipline. You say, you know what? I need to decide to stop eating so many cookies at night. You know what I mean? I decided to stop eating so many cookies and sweets at night. You know, and so you say, I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start eating more healthy, especially at night. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know about you, but I, I love sweet. I, I am a cookie snob. I know chocolate chip cookies. I know what they're supposed to taste like. And so I, if I eat a chocolate chip cookie, that's not, I just throw it. I don't, I don't want to waste the calories. I will not eat it. Okay. Chocolate cake. When they came out with that stuff in a can, it ruined most of the, most of Western civilization. Don't you think that it's like that little can of, when you, you Remember you used to make the homemade icing and put it on? That was, man, it was like, oh, I feel so sorry for some of you younger ones. You don't know what food's supposed to taste like with all the stuff they put in it now. You don't. And uh, cheesecake. All right, now here. And then I moved to Cincinnati and I found graters. I kid you not. I get black raspberry chip ice cream. I worship God. All right. My hand goes up. I'm like, praise who in Lord God, you, you shine down your blessing on someone because that, this is unbelievable. You, you think I'm joking. You can worship God eating ice cream. Okay. Because of the, the I mean, think about that. God in, infused in that person's, you know, DNA to make something so amazing and I get to enjoy it. And so I, you know, these are important things. So you decide you're not going to all of that to say stop eating so many cookies at night okay so you decide to start eating in a more healthy way and that takes you to another discipline right etc 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 and it leads to more and more positive habits more positive disciplines and your life is changed see you all have those disciplines in your life that create positive momentum it's what reason some of you are so well off you have disciplines in your life. You've, you've retired and you put yourself in a position in retirement because you had a discipline in your life, a financial discipline. The opposite is also true. If we don't have those discipline, disciplines, it creates negative momentum in your life. Everyone in this room understands that that's not rocket science. That's all true. So as we go through the series each week, I want to pick out an Old Testament story. 
I want to take out an Old Testament story where we see people making decisions that changes the direction of their lives. Where their story is, you know, here's, here's this person, they made a decision, and it transformed their lives. It changed the direction of their lives. And today I want to start with Daniel and the lion's den. If you know the story, King Darius shows favor to Daniel. He really likes Daniel. Okay, so King Darius chooses 120 satraps, which are basically governors who oversee his territory. He picks the 120 and then and then King Darius decides I'm going to put three people over the 120 over the whole thing. And one of them is Daniel. Daniel's so exceptional. Daniel has so much character and so much integrity. And, and, and he is such a leader that Darius decides, you know what? Daniel should oversee everyone. The 120 administrators and satraps, they didn't like that at all. They, they needed to do something about this. They were jealous of Daniel because he had such great character and the king really liked him. And so they come up with a plan to get rid of this, this young upstart, Daniel, who's supposed to be taking over everything. So basically what happens is I'll pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says this, at this... The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, but they were unable to do so. Listen to this. The Bible says they could not they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Can you imagine? Take that reality into our culture today. Trying to find someone. Okay. In Daniel's position, that political power where if your enemies want to try to find something against you. They can't find anything against you. No corruption, no neglect. Absolutely, positively amazing. He was trustworthy. And you got to ask the question, why was he trustworthy? Why was he not corrupt? Why was he not neglectful? I'll tell you that in a moment, but let's go back to verse 5 and continue it. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against, against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I love that. There's nothing to say about this guy. So we got to find some way to trick, you know, we got to find some, some sleazy way to figure out how to get this guy out of power and just get rid of him because he's in our way. So they come up with a plan. They basically go to the king and say, King Darius, oh, king, you're so wonderful. You're so great. We have a wonderful plan. This is really, really great. You're going to absolutely flip over this great idea. We don't think that anyone should pray. To any other God or any other man for the next 30 days. And they should only pray to you. And the king's like, oh, I like this. I like these men. This is great. And, and if some knucklehead, who, who, I don't know who would even think about praying if we made this edict. And, and, and if this guy, anybody else prays and they get thrown into the lion's den, what do you think of that? And he goes, man, this, this, this whole idea is a winner. This is a winner. No one prays to anyone else but me. No God, no other men. And, uh, and if they do, I'm going to throw them in the lion's den. I'm glad I thought of it. We're going to make, as a matter of fact, we're going to make a law. So it's written in stone. So not even the king can break his own law. It's written down in the Persian, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. And so now anybody who prays anyone else gets thrown into the lion's den. And that's the end of that. I'm going to go back and ask the question. Why? Why was Daniel showed so much favor from the king, by the king? Why was he such a man of integrity? Why was he not corrupt? Why was he not negligent? 
Why did the king promote him into leadership so easily? Why did Daniel find favor with God when he was thrown into the lion's den? Because, of course, Daniel got up and did exactly what he had always done, which was pray. They throw him in the lion's den. Why did God show favor to Daniel in the lion's den? It was because, listen, because years ago, Daniel made a decision to start doing something that made him into the man that he ultimately was. He made a decision to start. Start start a discipline that made Daniel into the man that he ultimately became. Let me show you the decision he made. It's in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees. And this is really important. This is the key right here. He did just as he had done before. Just as he had done before, he made himself start a discipline. Regardless of the circumstance of his life, he continued that discipline. It turned him into the man he was. Why was he a man of integrity? Why did he get favor from the king and from God? Why was he such a great leader? Why, why, why? Because he had made a decision to start a discipline in his life. And I don't, I don't think Daniel thought this was ever going to happen. God didn't give him some special revelation to know that he was going to start doing this and all of a sudden this was going to happen. And Daniel's thinking, what a huge decision I just made. No, it wasn't. A, it was a simple decision that he was going to spend time three times a day and pray with his God. So I ask the question again. Why was he looked upon so favorably? Why was he a man of integrity? Because he was willing to start a discipline. And because he was willing to start that discipline, God was able to write the story that he wanted to tell in Daniel's life. God wants to tell his story through. It's God's story. History is his story. We're a part of history. God wants to tell his story, his story through me, through you and you and you and you and you and you and you. He wants to tell his story through all of us. How can that how can that happen? How can God tell his story through us? Well, this morning it tells us we need to start. We need to start. The decisions that we make determine the stories that we tell. The decisions that we make determine the stories that we tell. Let me close with uh, I'm going to pose two questions to you that I want you to consider. OK, I want this two questions I want you to consider. It'll take a couple minutes, but I want to run through these. The first question is pretty simple. Okay, the first question is a question I want you to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself this question. Okay, first, what is the story that God wants me to tell about my life five years from now? It could be three years, it could be a year, but I'm going to say five years from now. What is the story that God wants me to tell about my life five years from now? For some of you, it could be a financial story. You've been not handling your finances well. We have a financial class that's starting really soon. And there will be people out in this, after the service out here by the table. And you can sign up and take that financial class. Okay? So if that's something you want to work on, we're going to help you do that. But maybe it's a financial situation. But now you decide to start a discipline today. And so you, you turn that completely around. And the story that you're going to tell five years from now is completely different than the story you're telling right now. 
because you made the decision to start. Some of you, it could be that God wants you to get your priorities straight. You need to get your priorities straight because your priorities are not straight right now. But five years from now or a year year from now, your priorities will be straight because you've decided to start by making that discipline in your life, by starting a discipline in your life. For some of you, again, it's, it's maybe you're, you need to eat better. You need to exercise more. You need to take care of yourself. And in five years, you're going to be a different person now than when you were, than, different person then than you are now. Simple decisions, simple disciplines that we need to start. Now, here's the thing. Um, don't, don't pick a ton of things. Don't pick a ton of things. Pick one thing to start. Don't, don't pick like five different disciplines. I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing that. Just pick the, pick, the one, pick the one that is most significant, the one that sticks out to you the most, the one that is holding you back. Listen, the one that is holding you back from telling the story, from starting a new chapter, okay, in the story that you want to tell. What, what is holding you back the most? What sticks out to you the most that is holding you back, keeping you from telling the story that you want to tell, keeping you from starting a new chapter in your life? That's what you need to pick. Now, for some of you, it might be your insecurity. You you have have terrible insecurity. It might be a lie that you keep telling yourself. These don't have to be for some people. Oh, that's no big deal. It's a big deal for some people. It might be a lie that you keep telling. And for some, it might be an addiction. It might be an addiction. That's the one thing that's holding you back. It might be an addiction. For some, it it, it might be that you live in a spirit of fear. Fear really controls your life. You're you're stressed out. You're panicked all the time. It might be fear. For some people, it might be your love of material things. Your love of material things. Your love of going out there and getting the newest whatever. But your love of material things is the thing that's holding you back the most. For some people, it's unforgiveness. You will not forgive that person. I don't care how many sermons you hear, how many things you seminars you go to. I don't care what it is. How many Bible verses you read. You won't forgive that person. That might be holding you back from telling the story that you want to tell. That other person has control. Think about this. You won't forgive them. And I'm telling you, let God deal with them for the horror they inflicted upon you. But here's the deal. (laughs) They're dictating your story. Can't let that happen. For some of you, it's your anger. You can't control your anger. And that's, that's, re- that's telling the story that other people are going to be sharing later on. For some of you, it's your marriage. You're, you're married, but you're, you're, it's not what it should or could be. For some of you, it's you know, making a commitment to start coming to church on a regular basis. You know, it's it maybe, you know, you're thinking to yourself, I, you know, I, I need to real, I need to make church a real priority in my life, not just going through the motions, but actually getting engaged, actually getting involved, actually, actually making that a part of who you are, a consistent part of who you are. I really want it to be a consistent part of who you are for the next six weeks. I really do, because I believe this series could truly transform your life. So you may need to start using your gifts and your talents or abilities to invest in the lives of others within the body. It may be seriously some of you need to start financially giving okay you need to get financially engaged in the church you need to start giving as simple as that that's a that is a discipline you want to talk about discipline that is a discipline contributing financially i didn't pass the plate around this morning no one's putting pressure on you 
you, you, you don't know where to give, you ask me, and I'll, I'll tell you where to give, okay? So you know it's not the pressure point here at Grace Chapel. This is a discipline that you need to put in your own life. Maybe it's, you need to start being a prayer warrior. You need to pray more. You need to pray every single day. Maybe you need to be a servant, and you need to get involved in serving in the community or in the church. Or maybe you might need to start going to life group. Or you're in life group. Say, I'm going to life group. Maybe you need to start talking more in life group. You need to start sharing more in life group so that... People can start speaking into your life as well. We just need to start. We need to start. Maybe for some, it's just reading the Bible every single day. I don't know. I I really don't know. I'm not God. I don't know what it is for you. But I know if you spend time with him today, if you spend time speaking with him, he will show you what you need to do. Do you want to live? Here's the here's the question again. Do you want to live a story worth telling? Or are you going to allow this season of your life to become an embarrassment to you? Something you don't want to share. Something you don't want to tell your your children, your grandchildren, or, or anyone about. Do we want to live a life worth living? Do we want to tell a story worth telling? Or is it going to be another chapter in our lives that we're embarrassed by? Or we don't want to even remember that we regret. Maybe because we did nothing. Maybe because we didn't start anything. See, the decisions that you make today determine the story that you're going to tell tomorrow. It's as simple as that. The decisions that Jeff Greer makes today will determine the stories that I'm going to tell tomorrow. Each of us needs to seek out God. Each of us needs to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, to fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And he, if we do that, he will author the story of our lives. If Jesus is the author of our story, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be just mind boggling. It's going to be above and beyond all we could ever ask or imagine if he's the author of our story. Why did God look so favorably on Daniel? Why did the king look so favorably on Daniel? Why was Daniel a man of integrity and of character? Why could, the, why could 120 people couldn't stand his guts, find, him, find no fault in him at all? How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Because at one point in Daniel's life... He made what others would have considered a simple and insignificant decision to spend time, to spend time every single day aligning his heart with the heart of his God. Big deal, right? But we're talking about him all these thousands of years later. All these years later, he's had a profound impact on human history all these years later because he he chose to align his heart with the heart of his God. And because of that decision, he was able to tell a story. He was able to tell the story of his life that God wanted him to tell. You can live the story that you want to tell, but you need to start. You need to decide to start. So here's, as we close the service out, here's what I'd like to do. Let's make a commitment this morning to start. And if you make that commitment this morning to start and you're, it doesn't even, you know, I don't care if you know what it is, what you're going to start, but just say, I'm going to seek out God. He's going to tell me what I need to start. If you make that commitment this morning in your heart that you want to start, I decided to start. If you can say that in your heart, then as the band plays this, this song, I want you to stand up and to come forward and to stand up here and sing together with those who are standing up here. Okay. 
So I decided to start. If you can say that this morning, even if you don't know what it is, tonight we'll come back and you're going to write that on that floor. It says, I decided to start. We're going to fill the floor with, I decided to start. Boom. Next week, I decided, we'll tear the rug up to here. I decided to stop. Next week after that, I decided to stay. I decided to go. And so the rug's all gone. The week after that, we'll have a new rug. Okay. But underneath that rug will be our commitments to God. And the change that we're going to make in our lives. And it will be beneath our feet for the rest of our lives and part, as a part of Grace Chapel. All right? So if you choose to make that start, I want you to come up as the band plays. I'm first. Would you pray with us? God, we are just so grateful that you are a God who has given us a spirit of courage. That we can make a decision to start something, God. Even something so small, but that can change our story for the better, for good, God. And if we don't know what that is, we ask that you would just keep this on the forefront of our minds, God, today, the rest of the day, and into tonight, so that we can make the right decision, that you would be faithful to answer us when we ask, what is it, God, what is it that we need to start? And we just love you so much, and we are so excited to continue this worship into tonight, Lord. We just ask that you bless each person here. We want to glorify you through everything that we say and everything that we do. We love you so much in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you tonight. Don't forget, dinner at 6, and there's free child care, so bring those babies. <laughs>